past events, and this is Applying God's Word, a Bible teaching ministry from the Word of God. This is study number 54, titled, The Sin Against One's Own Body. The times we live in and the behavior promoted by many of the cultures of the world continue to move farther and farther away from what God intended when he created us. The liberal view of sexuality encourages an abandonment of God's purpose for proper sexual behavior and so invites sin against one's own body. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 16 through 18. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two shall become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. There has been a lot of dialogue about why sexual immorality is considered a sin against their own body, while other sins are outside the body. Questions about why sins like getting drunk or taking illegal drugs are considered sins outside the body when they go inside our body and affect us from the inside out. Well, the key to understanding what Paul is saying here is to pick up the flow, starting in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are parts of Christ? Shall I then take away the parts of Christ and make them parts of a prostitute? Far from it. Paul says here that we are parts of Christ, and we should not take away the parts of Christ and make them parts of a prostitute. Now that verse should grab our attention. When an unsaved person gets saved, they enter into a spiritual union with Christ. The now saved person becomes a part of Christ, a part of the body of Christ. Romans 12 verse 5. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. And 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. Now we know that mere sinning does not remove, take away, or amputate a member of the body of Christ from the body. But 1 Corinthians 6, 15 says that sexual sin takes away a member of Christ and makes him a part of a prostitute. This tells us that there is something special and spiritual happening when a person is involved in sexual sin. This is in conflict with being a member of the body of Christ. The act of sexual sin in any of its physical expressions with another person is a union of both flesh and spirit. The illicit sexual act causes a spiritual and physical change and connection. That change in connection is referred to by God as being joined together. We see the spiritual and physical change and connection taking place properly in Matthew 19, verse 5, which says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
Paul uses the same kind of vocabulary in our opening verses, pointing out that a person who is joined to a prostitute is one body and one flesh. He then immediately points out that because we are joined to the Lord, we are one spirit. The implication in this verse is that being joined to the Lord and being one spirit with Jesus is in conflict with being joined to a prostitute and being one flesh with her. The act of an immoral sexual union has physical and spiritual consequences that are not always easily seen. Of course, we can see some of the consequences of this type of sexual union, but just because we cannot see all of them does not mean they are not there. They are, and known to God. The illicit sexual activity is a sin against our own body in a unique way. One danger of the one flesh union in illicit sex that is not mentioned often enough is that people engaged in sexual sin, especially people such as prostitutes and the like, often have demons, evil spirits, inhabiting their minds and bodies. There are many demons involved in sexual sin, including demons of lust, perverse spirits, and a spirit of prostitution. Hosea 4 verse 12. My people consult a wooden idol, and a diviner's rod speaks to them. A spirit of prostitution leads them astray. They are unfaithful to their God. I'll go into greater detail on this subject in the coming weeks, but for now let's talk a little bit about the power of touch. The spiritual ramifications of sexual touch are very powerful, and touch has long been known to occasionally transfer things that are spiritual in nature. For example, in Genesis chapter 48, verses 12 through 20, Jacob wanted to bless Ephraim and Manasseh, so he put his hands on their heads. The same with anointing with oil. Remember how David was anointed. The New Testament cautions us, though, here in 1 Timothy 5, verse 22. Do not lay hands upon anyone too quickly, and therefore share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. So you see, there can be spiritual activity present in the act of touch. Demonic possession and oppression is also spiritual activity, and although a Christian cannot be possessed by an evil spirit, a Christian out of fellowship with Christ can be oppressed by demons. If one of the partners has a demon, the act of illicit sex can give it access to the other person through demonic oppression. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, the Bible says that the devil seeks to devour believers. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Remember Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil 
in the heavenly realms. Demonic forces tempt us to sin and oppose our efforts to obey God. If a Christian allows the demon to succeed in these attacks, oppression results. Demonic oppression is when a demon is temporarily victorious over a Christian, successfully tempting a Christian to sin and hindering his ability to serve God with a strong testimony. If a Christian continues to allow demonic oppression in his or her life, the oppression can increase to the point that the demon has a strong influence over the Christian's thoughts, behavior, and spirituality. Influence, not control. We still must choose how we will respond. Christians who continue in sexual sin open themselves up for greater and greater demonic oppression. Confession and repentance of sin are necessary to restore fellowship with God. The Apostle John gives us great encouragement in this area in 1 John 5, verse 18. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. For the Christian, the power for victory over and freedom from demonic oppression is always available. John declares in 1 John 4 verse 4 that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. James 4 verses 7 and 8 tells us to submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The power of the indwelling Holy Spirit is always available to overcome demonic oppression. No demon, not even Satan himself, can prevent a Christian from surrendering to the Holy Spirit and thereby overcoming any and all demonic oppression. Peter encourages believers to resist the devil, standing firm in your faith. Being firm or steadfast in the faith means relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to successfully resist demonic influence and sinning against our own body. Faith is built up through the spiritual disciplines of feeding on the Word of God, persistent prayer, and godly fellowship. Strengthening our faith by these means enables us to put up the shield of faith which we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one.